uh, some uh, nurses actually developed a, a kind of script. I went and uh, kind of edited it so, some, and then I got, because I had been doing some acting in Des Moines, they said, well, why don't you know a lot about this, and why don't you uh, <laughs> direct it? And, uh, and so I did, and, uh, and we, you know, we did this in just really one long morning, maybe into early afternoon, and, and uh, kind of did all the, you know, the, everything that was in one, the, the, uh, the resuscitation room, we did those all in a sequence, and we did everything else in the different rooms. And so it's kind of fun. They, the, uh, uh, they actually presented this. The nurses that had uh, written the script initially presented this at a couple national conferences and had a lot of interest about this. And so what I'm going to do is show, uh, first of all, the, the video of us of kind of before implementing uh, family presence and resuscitation. Uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll show the other one where we've done that. Now, if we have a little time, I'll talk a little bit about fa family presence and implementing something like that in the emergency department, which we really don't have a, in our emergency department a real plan for doing this, and uh, it's not something I've tacked uh, greatly yet. Um, and it has to be a group of people that really kind of want to do this to make it happen. But I wanted to at least present it to you because you guys are going to go out to emergency departments and working, and so you have a little idea of this, and hopefully we'll get further along here too and how we uh, do this as well. Um, so I'm going to play the, the video first here uh, of the before. It's not. This is this is the final cut. No director's cut. And um, this is a problem that we kind of that the, the nurse nurses kind of re realized that we just weren't doing an adequate job in helping uh, parents through this difficult time. So we implemented a family presence during resuscitation program, and uh, let's talk just a little bit about that. This uh, kind of traces back to about 1982 when a, a program was started at Foot Hospital in Jackson, Mix, Michigan. And it was a result basically of two encounters where there were family members of patients um, that insisted basically on being present during the resuscitation. And this is not something they had done before. And they realized that when the parent family was there that there was some benefits and, and that uh, maybe this is something they should do more regularly. Um, a retrospective survey of family members of recently deceased families uh, that was done at, at this facility, 13 of 18 wished they had, had been present during the resuscitation efforts and that uh, uh, basically led to them establishing a, a program. In 1995, the Emergency Nurses Association adopted a position statement asserting that family members of criti critically ill patients have the need to be with the patient, to believe that the patient received the best possible care, to be informed of the patient's condition, and to be accepted, comforted, and supported by healthcare personnel. Uh, th this ENA uh, protocol was updated in 2001. I'm not certain if they have had another update since then, actually. Uh, um, but includes a literature review on family and patient needs, guidelines for developing a family, a family presence protocol in the ED, and some additional institutional and staff education tools, as well as a self-assessment tool re related to this uh, establishing a program. Um, in 2003, a survey of ER and intensive care nurses revealed that only 5% of respondents worked in areas that had formalized 
family presence policies. And it's probably a little bit higher now, but it's probably still fairly low. Traditionally, uh, healthcare uh, teams have been kind of skeptical or even opposed to allowing families to be present during resuscitation. And you kind of see that nurses have been more, overall, been more favorable of this than physicians, and physicians even more so than residents. Um, a lot of this is to do a little bit with uncomfortability residents and saying they're going to be you know, judging how well I'm doing and uh, I really don't know what I'm doing and, <laughs> and that uh, might be a, a problem having uh, family members seeing what's happening in the uh, resuscitation suite. Research on healthcare teams beliefs after implementing family practice found that the majority realize the benefits after they start practicing it and that they found it a much more comfortable, comfortable situation than they thought it was going to be. Uh, some of the benefits that the families are more aware of the life-saving efforts that were actually performed, their um, awareness that the decreased families, uh, the, the awareness of it decreased the family's uncertainty and worry. It allowed pa families to act as a patient's advocate which provided a sense of empowerment to them, you know, actually being there rather than being somewhere else and not being able to really feel like they could be involved, and lessened the anxiety and facilitated their grieving. A lot of people are concerned that, that in, there would be interruption or impede the ability to provide care, but that really has not been realized, at least in studies that have been uh, published. And um, it increased healthcare workers of the personal awareness of the patient's need for dignity, privacy, and pain control that having family members made us a little more aware of these kind of issues and uh, that we're dealing with a, a, a patient that has family members that care for them and that uh, we need to be aware of these kind of issues. Majority of family members actually do want to be present. Um, most of who have participated in this would do it again if they were given the opportunity so it wasn't like gosh they were there and they felt like you know, that was terrible, I, wouldn't, I would never want to do that again. They believe they benefited by, because it decreased their anxiety, it decreased their hopelessness, um, decreased the wondering what was going on, and um, it increased the understanding of the illness or trauma that was actually had occurred. And uh, it was helpful for them that they could provide some sort of comfort for their dying loved one and felt that their loved one knew they were present and felt comforted and it did facilitate their own grieving as well. Yeah, there's a sense that they could be, uh, that they were able to provide comfort and a sense that, that you know, the child could feel that. Yeah, Chris? It gives them a much better idea of what's happened and, and that they kind of feel, they can sense that this is more, yeah, this is what needs, that it's over, you know, kind of thing. That's I think they're, I think you want everyone else too to stop yeah. the family there and say, look, I, I see that you guys have done everything you can possible, there's just nothing. Yeah. Well, I think along the same lines. I think I think families are like plus smarter than giving credit for. I mean, you know, and I think that I think this kind of goes along with it. I mean, we've had, you know, we're, we're assessing somebody for like 30 minutes, and the family member comes in, and they're like, you know, they're okay with that, and they they they're actually willing to make have you stop. I think as part of it is I think there's been a culture like, well, you know, they don't know what's going on. Well, oftentimes they're able to make a more clear decision for their loved one than we are. You know, and so I think that that's part of it too. With survivors who have had this, um, they described that they were comforted by their family members and felt safer and less frightened by having family members there um, and felt that it was good to have somebody there that could be their advocates when they really couldn't be. Um, 
One patient who survived a cardiac arrest stated he felt, the aware, felt aware of his wife's presence at the bedside and this encouraged him to fight for survival. Three survivors in one study reported they did not feel their confidentiality or dignity had been compromised. Um, so, you know, this is one of the things that's been, well, you know, bringing family members, you know, that's breaking confid patient confidentiality or, you know, would invade somehow the dignity of the patient. And um, uh, people have survived this, said that they didn't feel that that was a problem, and I think most people would not. So establishing a, a family presence protocol, it's really good if there's a multidisciplinary committee that is able to work together in, in discussing this and, and actually the implementation. It should involve people, including RNs, nurses, but also respiratory uh, therapy, social services, you know, pastoral care, a whole team to, to kind of uh, get behind in implementing this. And even uh, risk management legal department is not a terrible idea to get involved as well. So this uh, ENA 2001 guideline is a nice, you know, uh, resource and able to look at how to do this. Uh, it's very important to gather information uh, from everybody that's involved, kind of things that they're concerned about, having uh, at both educational meetings and open forums, at least, you know, issues about implementing this could be discussed. Uh, crucial issues need to be identified and addressed in this process. And, you know, identifying those and then addressing those early is very important. Getting um, uh, participation or at least um, the uh, okay of, you know, further up kind of uh, uh, administrative staff is very important as well. And, you know, plan for potential staff members' fears and concerns about this, a reluctance to change, um, unwillingness to participate. There may be people who just feel very strongly about this, and somehow trying to uh, bring them into that process um, is important. You may run into people who just do not believe in this, and they, they can't be persuaded. Um, but sometimes if you establish something, they often you know, can see that this is a good thing and, and uh, may f uh, end up still uh, being willing to be participants. Um, certainly, Staff members that have greater interest and can be kind of vocal, uh, be, provide vocal support um, is very important. Um, and as I said, you know, cooperation and upper management is also important to get obtained right away. So uh, a lot of times this is, you know, it can, it can be very, uh, you know, if it's, there's not a specific uh, protocol set up, often if there's, it's not done very well you know, if it's in, it's not implemented in the same way each time. So it is nice to develop an actual protocol related to who is permitted to be present in a, in a code, um, you know, how will it initially be addressed, who's going to be discussing it with the family about possibly bringing them in, how many will be allowed to come in, um, how will emotional support be provided, is it going to be a social worker, a chaplain, somebody else that you have always available to, to provide that. Um, is it going to be a specific nurse who is the prim their primary duty is to, do, to, to be the kind of emotional support and interacting with the family? Um, what other additional roles will other staff have to, to do during when the family uh, is present? And, and also even follow-up care after you have family present there, you know, and that would be, of course, for any patient that dies, but, you know, in this sense, you know, what kind of additional follow-up can, can you provide and, and uh, or so other support services that would be available. Um, so a lot of times what people do, they'll identify uh, kind of who a family facilitator would be. 
Um, in our, at, at Blank, we had a, a nurse who would be designated, and they were the you know, family facilitator who would be interacting with the patients. They might be involved with patient care with that, but a great deal of their time was really primarily to be there for the family. Um, it might be, it could be a, a social worker, but it, somebody who's going to be the, f the family facilitator um, and would be kind of identifying the family members capable and wishing to participate, preparing the family before coming in, tends to their uh, needs uh, while they're at the resuscitation, um, and then also would help a little bit with the uh, follow-up um, uh, efforts. Important to survey staff, find out what kind of, as I said, this helps identify uh, concerns or problems of the staff that they might have in, in, in actually developing uh, a family presence protocol. Uh, of course, open lines of communication. Again, finding people who are, you know, supporters of this that can be um, help rally other, uh, other staff in, in, in the effort. Definitely having uh, staff educational meetings to not only discuss, you know, research of the benefits, but, you know, how we're going to, uh, eventually, how we're going to implement this so that everybody's on the same page. Really important to have a specific area where, patient, where families are brought um, that's private, comfortable, you know, with a phone and adequate seating for even large families. Sometimes, in, you know, it's even nice to have a couple places because often you can have more than, you know, one family that's having a situation like this. So having where those places are, what can we do if we have multiple families that need this kind of support. And it's nice to be that they're relatively close to where the resuscitation is going to occur so it's easier, they feel closer and it's easier to bring them into the resuscitation uh, room. And as soon as you can get the families involved uh, as possible, that uh, would be the goal. Um, certainly the consent of the attending physician should be, it needs to be obtained before, you know, uh, doing this. And encouraging the family facility would help encourage the family to be close to the patient and, you know, allow them to, what kind of touching is, uh, and is okay and, and spe speaking to them. Sometimes people are a little afraid to get involved, feel like they're going to get in the way or something. So having that person there to tell them what they can do and it's okay and, and, and where they, they should be. <clears throat> the family should be allowed time with the patient regardless of the outcome after the resuscitation is over. Um, they should be asked if they want or need some privacy. Sometimes this becomes a problem, of course, if it's a possibility that there's a, for child abuse or something like that, that you can't do that if that's the case. But um, if that's not a concern, you, certainly it's nice to have them have some time um, alone with, with their uh, loved one, whether they're uh, dead and alive at that point. And just being there for, to answer questions and, and assist the family in things like funeral arrangements. So uh, I'll try to go this, through this a little quicker since we didn't have a lot of time uh, for Dean there uh, mostly. Um, but family presence is becoming more routine in hospitals and especially in emergency departments. Uh, and not all resuscitations are appropriate for families to be at. And so that's part of developing a protocol. And not all families may wish to participate. Um, that can happen, and that's okay. But the majority of the family will want to be uh, involved. So uh, to conclude, I'd like to show the uh, after implementing family presence uh, protocol.